1: Coming up on today's show, we're counting down our top five of the last five. Wondering what that is? Don't worry, we'll explain. Everybody and welcome to another episode of the What's Good Games podcast. Normally, your source for video game news, commentary, analysis, and funny stuff every Friday. But don't worry, I'm still Andrea Renee, joined by Miss Brittany Brombacher. I am
2: no longer Brittany Brombacher. I am Rihanna Manuel Pina now. So, oh, wow. Well.
1: <laughs> All right. Hello, Mrs. Rihanna Manuel-Pena. Apex
0: Legends. (laughs) Yes, this is number one Apex Legends fan here. Rihanna Manuel-Pena reporting in. (laughs) I get to talk about my favorite game. This is great. I
1: cannot wait until we get to that moment. So as I mentioned at the top of the show, we're doing things a little different this week. As part of our What's Good Games spring break, we decided to pre-record an episode. And we were like, hmm, what would be a fun thing to talk about? And I was like, what about our top five favorite video games from the last five years? So top five from the last five And we are going to get into that in just a second, but I want to say thank you to this month's Patreon producers. You know who you are. We will give you your proper shout out in the next episode where we are back live. If you want to support our voices in video games, you can do so at patreon.com slash what's good games. And this episode is also brought to you by some wonderful sponsors who we'll tell you about in just a little bit. But for now, ladies, the top five, let's be clear to everyone listening and watching, is not the top critical ranking. It's not the best selling. It's not the game of the years. It's our personal top five games that we loved from the last five years.
2: Yeah, 100%. 110 million percent. This was an easy list for me to make, I have to say. Very easy.
1: I did make the joke when we were preparing for this episode that Brittany could not make her entire list Yakuza games.
2: (laughs) (laughs) Lots
0: of yeah. restraint from Brittany. Gomes, <laughs> I
2: know. I, here I yeah, it, it was very difficult not to make every single number one of my Yakuza husbandos. But I I used self-control and I did not do it. I only put one in there. Spoiler alert.
1: That is impressive. Just One.
2: Well, I mean, I have other bays I have to talk about, you know?
1: Yes. I mean, there were quite a few scary games that came out in the last five years that I imagine you're going to want to mention among others. So we're not going to do this in any particular order, as I mentioned. We're not going by year we're not going by you know critical acclaim or anything. We're just going to pick our top five and talk about the games that were important to us that had an impact on us or were just damn good video games. So we hope that you guys are along for the ride. Of course, we'd love to hear from you guys about what some of your favorite games in the last five years are. If you want to leave us a comment with your top five of the last five or tweet to us at what's good underscore games, let us know what your top five of the last five were. And so we defined that as coming out between the years of 2018 and 2022. Live service games are inclusive, meaning if it's a game like Call of Duty, for example, that game would count, but... I like how you
2: use Call of Duty as an example when we all know you're talking about Destiny too, but that's
1: fine. <laughs> I mean, yes. I think it would make more sense if I said Warzone and not Call of Duty because Warzone is a, the persistent game that comes out and is updated, whereas Call of Duty is technically a different game when it does come out. So that was a bad example on my part. My bad. I could have said like Rainbow Six Siege, right? Yeah. But okay. that game is not on my list. <laughs> <laughs> All right, Brittany, you are going to kick things off.
2: I'm going to kick things off. And before we do that, I have to give a shout out to the year 2018. What a time to be alive. All of my games, except for one, are from this year. But I wanted to start it off with God of War. I almost want to say, like, God of War 1 the original, it's not the original, God of War 2018 is what we'll call it, ladies and gentlemen. And I mean, no surprise there. Andrea, I think this game is also on your list. It is
1: indeed.
2: This game, it was really weird. I've never had this before. It was almost this love at first sight with God of War. I think I remember telling Steimer this, I maybe I talked about it on this show at one point, but within the first 15 minutes of playing this game, just something clicked. And I remember it was the scene where Kratos is touching a tree And there's some significance to that. And I was like, oh my God. I'm like, this game is going to be fucking incredible. And lo and behold, it was. And it was one of the only games that... The only word I can think to describe it is masterpiece. I remember being in my kitchen when the embargo lifted and writing something about how this game is an absolute masterpiece. And then I loved it because the embargo lifted and my entire Twitter feed was filled with other people reviewing it. It's like, masterpiece, masterpiece, masterpiece. It was just a really cool moment. And I think the thing that really just, like, I have to give this game a shout out is because it took me, someone who only knew Kratos from the first God of War on PlayStation 2, I think it was, right? I'd only played that game before and I only knew him as this murdering, banging, horny, terrible guy. (laughs) And I never connected with him as a character. Never really cared about him. It felt like more I was playing an arcade game than a game about someone I was supposed to care about, right? So he had this uphill battle with his reputation with me, and I just became such a Kratos, is the cool word Stan. Are kids still using that word? I don't know.
1: Yes! We can still use Stan. Hey,
2: I'm old. I don't know what the shit we're saying here. (laughs) But yeah, like, I mean, to take me and make me such a fan and rooting for him and his family and what he was going through someone who had literally no care about God of War before except for just some time with the first game I mean that that's not an easy thing to do and I know I'm not the only heart that was captured by the studio and by this game and it's just a game that I still think about now God of War 2, I think, had some harder-hitting moments for me, uh, some more, like, profound, monumental things that happened. But by the time I played God of War Ragnarok, the bar had already been set. Like, I already had incredibly high expectations, whereas I think God of War completely knocked me off my feet, and I think that's why it left such such a profound memory within me. So, anyway, God of War... Masterpiece of a game, and I had to... It was my number one. I was like, God of War is going to be on this list easily.
1: God of War was on my list without hesitation as well. I think it was one of those games that we didn't really go into with a ton of expectations. I think the idea was we saw this reveal at the PlayStation press conference that they kept under wraps and it was amazing that they were able to do that. And then we had one gameplay preview of it. And that was a really big event That for What's Good Games, because it was, you know, we were still pretty early on as an outlet then, and they invited us to come and play, and we did interviews with members from the team at Sony Santa Monica, and I just remember being wowed by what I saw in advance of the game coming out. And then when the game finally released, like you said, Brittany, just like a masterpiece of game making. I mean, we called it as such right after it came out, and it still is. And I think it's not even just like the story cuz as you mentioned the story had some really phenomenal moments and clearly like lots of lots of good gut punches but i think the thing for me that really kind of stood out in addition to the story was this incredible gameplay in this combat having the leviathan axe and then getting the blades of chaos and having that moment with them returning i just don't recall a game recently other than Ragnarok, of course, because we got those weapons back, where I really just kind of felt that visceral of a combat experience. And it was just so much fun to play. And the progression and the gear that you get and the level design, just so much of the game was just so, so, so good that I just keep thinking about it going, gosh, if I could go back and play that game for the first time again, that would be a really amazing experience. And I always tell people who own a PlayStation, I was like, whether you own a PlayStation 4 or whether you own a PlayStation 5, if you have not played God of War, the original, like it's like a must play because especially because it showcases what the hardware can do so spectacularly. And it just looked so beautiful for the time and the generation that it came out. So just so good.
2: And the sense of scale in that game. Oh, my God. Everything's so big. You feel so small despite the fact that you're a god. Anyway. Yeah.
1: (laughs) Yes. So God of War Ragnarok, a firm spot on our list and uh, very excited about it. Rihanna. Yes. What is a game from your list that you would like to give a shout out to?
0: so in no particular order for the first game I will be talking about I'm going to take a little bit of a different direction this is squarely in the multiplayer category there are maybe gods every once in a while, depends on what licensing deals are currently active (laughs) but it's going to be Fortnite and specifically chapter 3 where we were introduced to zero build mode and I was finally able to actually compete in the game. (laughs) For those who aren't aware, Fortnite is a game that actually started with great popularity in early access and they had a sort of tower defense survival mode, which originally was the game. They had a stroke of brilliance in and creating this sort of battle royale offshoot mode that obviously has now become the de facto battle royale game for lots of people. And what I really, really love about Fortnite is how new it feels every time i play it even though it's the exact same game and i never expected to be a Fortnite stand, but i am and proud <laughs> of it and what's really cool is that especially you know from chapter two actually onward uh, chapter two being when they you know completely nuked the entire map it became a single negative zone point in space for i think it was like a couple days straight there were several like accounts that were watching it consistently, waiting for the whole world to reboot. It comes back and gives us this new remixed map. And now every chapter, every season, there are different changes to the types of abilities you have in the game, the way health mechanics work in the game, the map itself, what the different theme is. So we've had recent themes like Vibin, where everything's like about being at a super vibey concert in the middle of the summer. We have seasons that are all about, you know, gravity and zombies and reality warping and shifting and now right now we have the season about like the cyberpunk aesthetic and it's just always so inventive and creative and I don't know how they get the licensing deals that they get for this game because oh,
2: you
1: know it's I mean shit. Uh, Epic has go fuck yourself money they do they really but do. also they have one of the largest active player bases in video games and mm-hmm. so when you have you know, hundreds of millions of players every month that are coming to play your game. Turns out brands are like, hmm,
0: feels like we should put our brand in there and make some dollars off of that. It's like, where else are you going to see, like, Thanos, like, doing Megan the Stallion's uh, (laughs) dance, you know, and, like, fighting Goku? And, like, now they have Aaron from Attack on Titans in the game. Like, there is no limit to what you could potentially see in Fortnite, and I find that so exciting and so fun. It's like Ready Player One realized, but at the same time, it's a very competent shooter. And what I really, really love about it is that I can go in and play by myself and actually place. I can go in with a team. I can go in with two people. I can go in with three. And it gives you so many options. You can even do a mega mode where you have like six or, or 10 people on your team. And there's always something for you to do. There are other games on our lists that... Are a little bit more limiting in the number of people who can enjoy it together. And one of my favorite things about video games is connecting with people. So Fortnite is definitely a must mention on my list. I don't think it's necessarily number one, but it may be my most played from the last five years.
2: I'm glad you gave it a shout out. I don't follow the Fortnites except for when you Sherpa me in the Fortnite. But there's you no did denying- great
0: that Thank one you. time.
2: Thank you. It's all Vegeta. There's no denying the cultural impact that this game, this IP has had on society in a way I don't think we've seen in a very, very long time. And it's always fun to kind of get the updates from you. The other day, Jason was playing it and Geralt, I was like, I forgot Geralt is in this game. What is (laughs) Geralt doing running around dancing? I don't know, but there he is. Yeah.
1: It's weird. And sometimes it does feel like it shouldn't make sense, but it's so irreverent that it does make sense and they don't take themselves seriously and like you, Rihanna, I really didn't play a lot of Fortnite in the traditional Battle Royale sense. as I talked about on the show way back when, I was a big fan of the Save the World mode. But I also fell off of that, you know, a long time ago. But when no build happened, you know, you and the crew were like, hey, you should come check it out. And I was like, well, I know a lot of people that work on Fortnite, so why not? And it was so much fun to play. And I love being able to jump in. And even though I continue to spend V-books on season passes (laughs) that I never fill out, I never even get halfway through. (laughs) The fun times had in the game are so great. And the cosmetics just Really make that experience sing. It's gorgeous. It is. Turns out when you make arguably the best engine in video games, <laughs> and you make a game built on that engine, your game is going to look good.
2: I think we need to build an engine. I think it's super easy. Right? We can. Yeah. What's good totally. engine? Oh, let's do it.
1: I think it sounds like a great next project for you, Brittany.
2: (laughs) Oh, okay. That took a turn I didn't like, so never mind.
1: (laughs) It's too smart for me, Brittany. I can't do it. I can't do it. (laughs) Awesome. Well, let's keep trucking right along. Brittany, you're up next.
2: (gasps) Resident Evil 2 remake. This came we out We all in, knew this was coming. I for mean, sure. let's just get the <laughs> obvious ones out of the way. I mean, this came out in 2019 and I mean, what more need I say? But many reasons why this is on my list. Obviously, Resident Evil 2 PlayStation is one of my favorite games of all time, but it's so rare that a studio takes a beloved iconic game, you know, arguably the most iconic survival horror game of all time that came out in 1998, Resident Evil 2 and you remake it. How many years later, math is hard, and you outperform it. I think Resident Evil 2 Remake is better than the original. And I know some people are going to come at me. But the thing is the Capcom kept the main story beats. They kept the the framework of this entire game, but they just expanded on it and made it better. And I think how that is accomplished—that is such a rare thing to be able to do. This game even got people who had never played Resident Evil before to play it and actually enjoy it. And that is just so fucking cool. Yeah. See, Andrea, look at her. She has her hand raised. She has. It was her hand me. Raised. I yeah. was one of them. <laughs> yeah, that's what I'm saying. And it was just so phenomenally done. The audio design, like the art engine just I think this is what really helps put Capcom not back on the map because they'd always been on the map but kind of remind people like hey you know We had Resident Evil 4, which was killer. We had Resident Evil 5, which was kind of Resident Evil 6 was kind of like, And then, you know, it it reminded people, like, yo, like, we can still make incredible survival horror games. Even if it is a remake, we still have enough creative flair that we can make it even better than the original. And then, you know, we got Resident Evil 3 remake, which is, I got feelings. And then Resident Evil 4 remake, which I can talk about because we're recording this. This is going to go live after Embargo, which is, like, arguably one of my favorite games ever. It would be on this list, but the game came out in 2020. Like, (gasps) anyway, *Resident Evil 2 Remake is a phenomenal survival horror game and one of my favorites, and you should absolutely play it. Andrea, you played it. What did you think of it? Because, you know, like, it's not your usual jam.
1: No, it's not. And I was really impressed by the work that Capcom put into this remake. I mean, we end up talking quite a bit on our show about the finite differences between remakes and remasters. And man, it sure feels like remasters are a dime a dozen these days. And some of them are good and some of them are fine. But this as a true remake, meaning all of the assets were built from the ground up, And everything was redone and they've even, as you've mentioned, you know, they changed some things, they rewrote some narrative things, they revamped gameplay, but they obviously stayed very true to what the original game was. It just was so well done and it was so approachable and also accessible, which is something that the original Resident Evil games weren't. It was the reason I didn't play the original Resident Evil games is because I didn't want that feeling. I didn't want that fear of (laughs) playing an actual survival horror game and all that comes along with it. And I was like, no, thanks. I'm good. But, you know, thanks to modern day technology and the ability to play baby ass baby mode, I was able to make it through Resident Evil 2 remake and experience all those things that you love. like. The toilet paper on the shelf.
2: Oh, man. And I'm the still sound of that. the
1: liquors. Is that what they're called? The guys that hang on the ceiling?
2: Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Those are the yeah. liquors. Yeah yeah. yeah, yeah. No, thanks. Absolutely. But,
1: yeah. I mean, and my boy, Mr. X, you know, we hung oh, out.
2: Oh, yeah. He, he's cool. He's great. We, we hugged a couple times. Stars. Is that that guy? That's Nemesis. So Mr. Uh-huh. X is the tyrant guy in the really adorable little hat. And he kind of like chases you around throughout the entire police department in Raccoon City. It's great, Ray. You would absolutely love it. I mean, you wouldn't. Um, Sounds And super on that cute. note, yeah, the, you reminded me, Andre, you can pay like $5, I don't know what it is now, and get like rocket launchers and buffs that make it so, you know, the game is you barely, you can't die pretty much. And so, you know, if that's a thing you're into also, like, hey, five bucks, god mode do
1: it. Yeah. I mean, I didn't even play it on god mode. No. I just used the regular in-game settings and played it on I think easy easy or I think it's
2: called assisted, might be the I term.
1: don't remember. Yeah, I don't remember. It was yeah. listen, it was a while ago. It was. <laughs> um and I think like the idea that, you know, that those games are accessible now is great. And obviously, like, the other remakes seem to be doing great. I mean, you know, RE3 stumbled a little bit. But, um, well, I'm assuming that the reception for RE4 remake is going to be good based just on your, you know, thoughts on the game. Oh,
2: fuck. You know it's good when an embargo was a week before release.
1: Generally speaking, for people who aren't aware... If the embargo is ahead, like far ahead of when the game actually comes out, means the studio is pretty confident that the reception is gonna be good. I look forward to playing it. I mean, it got me to play Resident Evil Village. I never would have played that otherwise. And I really enjoyed that game. Did make my list, had a good time.
2: Yeah. I mean, I could talk about this forever, so you need to move on. But yes. (laughs) Yeah. Well,
1: I can move on to a game that did make my list. And this is a game that I've talked about in passing many times. It's a game I actually, like, dragged my feet to play, did not want to play, but it left such a big impact on me and so many other people out there. The game is Celeste. And this game, it's just something else. You know, you talk about the word masterpiece when we talked about God of War. Celeste is absolutely a masterpiece um, of game making in a very different way. And the thing that I love so much about this game is that, again... The accessibility settings really helped me enjoy my time with this game. The art is beautiful. The music is divine. The story and the narrative about how this girl is facing her inner demons on a journey to the top of her own personal mountain and the challenges that she faces along the way and all of the hidden messages within that and not so hidden messages within that really kind of struck home with me about when I played this game. But also, it's so rare to get a game like Celeste that you know, kind of starts as this indie darling and then explodes into this really well-known giant game. And, and obviously the creators of Towerfall you know, have made video games before and <laughs> they know what they're doing. But something about this game I think really pierced through and I really hope to get more experiences like that. And we have, right? Like the idea of a super tight platformer is not a new one, right? I mean, look at the success of even other giant games in the genre like Super Meat Boy. Like those games are persistent and people love to play them. And I think that was why this game Game resonated early on with the critical crowd. But I think it was able to go above and beyond that because of all of the other things that were done so well about the game. Because if it was just a really super tight platformer, I would be like, cool, that's nice. That's for somebody. Mm-hmm. It's not for me though, maybe. But because of how they did the gameplay and the way that they incorporated it and just how everything kind of came together in the game, it was really what made it for me. And we definitely get like a lot of look-alike games. That have this like pixel art style that kind of look retro that really focus on really pixel perfect timing mechanics. But I don't think any of them quite have the the magic, the, the je ne sais quoi that Celeste has. And so I had to give it a shout out because I never thought that I would love this game as much as I loved this game and it really won me over.
2: Yeah, I think you bring up a good point too because Jason is someone who doesn't give a shit about narrative. You can have the most profound story in a game and he'll just skip right over it. Like, I love him yep. so much. But, <laughs> um, but he loved Celeste because of the platforming, because of the trial and error side of it. And the reason, I and I never wanted to play it. I watched him play it. and I'm like, oh, that looks terrible. But then hearing you talk about it and you've been trying to get me to play this game for years and I just haven't done it, is because of the narrative. And that is the reason I do want to check this game out. When that's going to happen, who could say? So it sounds like there really is something here for everybody. But, you know, I just am dragging my ass. Well, what's
1: great about it is that they have a baby-ass baby mode that's truly... A baby-ass baby mode, meaning you can fall off the world and fall into holes and everything, and, like, your character will just bounce right back up. It's like falling into a hole in Mario and having Mario literally just jump right back out of the hole and be like— I'm not dead. It's literally like a no die mode. And you can also get like infinite jumping. So part of the platforming, that's really great. And I'm going to pull up this new trailer because Celeste actually has like a, like a DLC called Strawberry Jam that's coming out actually very soon. That jumping mechanic, you can just have infinite jumps. So like you, you truly can play the original Celeste with all of those accessibility toggles turned on so that you can see the art, you can experience the music, you can go through these really lovingly handcrafted levels and have that game experience with none of the stress of I can't execute the pixel perfect timing needed in order for me to progress in the normal settings of the game. And I love that the developers were like, we want to include that. We want people to experience our game in the way that makes the most sense for them and is most comfortable for them. And yeah, if you turn on all of the levers or turn off all the leathers, like the game is going to be brutally difficult, like brutally difficult. I remember rage quitting the first time I played <laughs> before I discovered all the lovers. And I only got to like the, like the seventh or eighth flag of like all of the flags. Like I think there's like a hundred flags that you have to go through on the mountain. And I was just like, there's no way. There's no way I'm ever going to finish this game. How did people love this game and finish this game? That's always what I'm asking myself when like a platformer like this comes out and everyone's like, oh my God, this game is so good. I love it. I'm like, oh, it cares. Like about was not dying all the time. <laughs> Why am I just dying forever? So it's very good. I highly recommend you check it out. Celeste, everybody. Top five of the last
0: five. Rihanna, you're up next. I'm up next. I'm going to go to another game that is lauded for its accessibility options. uh, (laughs) That's another multiplayer game, y'all. Apex Legends. I don't know where it ranks on my favorites of all time. I got to say it's definitely in the top five. But of the last five years, this may be number one. Apex Legends dropped in 2019. With like zero hype, zero lead up, almost no marketing, except for a couple of very strategic deals with influencers to play it on stream the day it launched. It was an event that happened and it launched that same day. I can't remember what the event was. Do either of you recall? Oh yes. I I definitely remember
1: this. Yeah, because it was an EA press conference of some kind, but it wasn't it wasn't EA play. No, it was Something else. But I definitely remember just, like, the surprise of, like, the game is out and there's, like, this army of streamers that are all playing it live. And everyone was like, what the heck is happening? What is this game? And I remember sitting back and going, this is actually genius if their servers don't die. If, like, they can keep their servers up and running. This is actually one of the smartest, like, Beyonce album drops Mm -hmm. for a video game. we've ever seen and it Mm -hmm. worked because the game is great and Respawn had this amazing reputation from Titanfall going into Apex and the Battle Royale genre was so hot Mm. and we were all like are they gonna fall on their face and they're like nap we're gonna steal your lunch Fortnite
2: let's go oh yeah and I feel like so many people not so many but you see a lot of people trying to replicate that success but I think all the stars were aligned for that to work as well as it did and oh my god I'll never forget I think we were recording the show that that day or something that it launched. And we we're all like, what is this game? So yes. fun.
1: Before you continue on Apex, I'm pulling up some footage here from the launch trailer. Yes. Um, I did want to mention, just for accuracy, that the Strawberry Jam is actually a, a community collaboration Mod, it's not an official oh. DLC. But ah. it, like it's really dope, but it's not official. So uh anyway, yes. So I pulled up the launch trailer from, from Apex Legends from four years ago.
0: Four whole years ago. Who who would have thought we'd be here right now? What's really amazing for me about Apex Legends is that everybody wanted it to be Titanfall 2. That was great also. However, <laughs> this game. Created the opportunity for people to transform and play in a hero class team-based battle royale that in a in a way that we never had before. Like you can play as a robot, you can play as a Caribbean woman, you can play as a time reality bending <laughs> like assassin. <laughs> like like there there's no such thing as like what they can't do because they're literally creating characters almost every single season that they update this game when they first. Came out, they had an incredible, an incredible feature called the ping system. Where if you are not able to communicate with your teammates, because it is very heavily based on cooperation with your teammates, you can click a button on your mouse, controller, keyboard, whatever you're using, and the game audio or text will call out contextually what is important to your team members about that ping. And it is a lot of tech behind that. Your characters will passively communicate with each other and say, enemies over there, watch your six, someone's tracking us. And it encourages so much teamwork so organically without ever having to turn on a microphone. And as a woman who plays multiplayer games, this fucking changed my life. <laughs> like being able to work with people without having to worry about who they think I am or who they think they're playing with or who they are to for that matter. Like everything is out the window. You're just this character and you're just trying to win together. And the community around Apex Legends absolutely reflects that. They have amazing content even within the game where you can put as part of your banner every time somebody sees your player account and you know your kills and your wins and all of that, you can have black lives matter there. You can have stop asian hate. You can have LGBTQIA flags in your profile. And Apex is just literally here for anybody who wants to be a- in a competitive shooter and play with friends or with new people that they've never met before. Everyone's welcome and I love that approach to it. And then on- on top of it. Apex Legends is a really great shooter. <laughs> like <laughs> the the weapon balancing is superb. They are constantly taking feedback from the community. It is a battle royale, but you're on teams of 3 and or maybe 2 or 1, I guess if you're really just Going for it, feeling froggy, and you—you you always have a chance. Like you, there's always an opportunity for you to work with your teammate, classes, and like offset the different mechanics that they're going to prioritize based on your your hero. And I don't know, it's just, there's something about this game that just feels so welcoming. And yes, it is a highly competitive battle royale, but it's the one that I like spending time in because I feel so free and I think that's really beautiful and special and, and nothing has done it the way Apex has
2: and I love it when you talk about the lore of Apex and the story of it because that's something like I, I mean I don't pay attention to a lot of Apex anyway but when you do I, I cheer for you I'm your number one cheerleader I'm like yeah we go live your best life but yeah there's a the whole ass like story and narrative and all that sort of stuff to it too which is really cool and I think probably goes a little underappreciated but I always love hearing you nerd out about Apex it's kind of like when Andrea used to go on her destiny a little like rants And I would just be like, I'm here for you and I support you. Like when I talk about Yakuza, you know, that's what we do for each other. Exactly. those good games. Yeah.
1: Yeah. I still need to play with you. It's like, it was one of those games that was like, there's just too many, I have too many games. I can't do them all. I can't keep up with them. But hearing you talk about how much you love it, I feel like Mm -hmm. I would need to choose though. Fortnite or Apex? I play both. But I can't play both and keep playing Destiny and keep building my valley in Dreamlight.
0: Well, that's kind of why <laughs> that's I've the real put some of these things down for months a time. I mean, yes, 100%.
1: <laughs> but you should see my plaza. It's dope.
0: I like, bet it great. is. I can't wait to see it when multiplayer comes
1: out. <laughs> Soon. End of the year, probably. But, you know.
0: <laughs> anyway,
1: we're happy that Apex is so good to you and so good to the community. And clearly that game isn't slowing down. Anytime soon. And um, we will hear more about it on a regular episode of What's Good Games. Brittany, a game that we probably won't hear about because (laughs) it's five years old now at this point. But it has a special place in your heart.
2: A very, very special place. Yes, Divinity Original Sin 2 Enhanced Edition came out in 2018. And this is the edition that came to console and with some other new features. Anyway, so yeah, this is Divinity Original Sin 2, the sequel to Divinity Original Sin, developed and published by Larian Studios. Like, I don't even know where to begin. This is probably my favorite multiplayer game of all, ever and ever and ever of all time. And I love how lately we're seeing, I feel like, a surge of of games incorporating multiplayer and co-op into into their titles. And more often than not though, it feels like co-op is more of an afterthought or maybe there's some silly features that are missing from it or there's just some weird hurdles you have to jump. I think about, here we go, Elden Ring, right? Like I feel like trying to play Elden Ring with someone is just a huge pain in the ass. It's such a weird clunky ass system but then you have other games that do it super well and at the end of the day I think when people are playing multiplayer games they just want to play with their friends and their family and they want to be able to loot the same stuff open the same doors progress their game whatever Larian Studios has not only created one of the best stories and one of the best video games with Divinity Original Sin 1 and 2 but specifically 2 they've also made it a perfect multiplayer game in terms of you can play with your friends you can play with multiple friends you guys can progress your own story story separately, but on in the same game, I can be on one end of the world, Jason can be on the other end of the world. And you can do anything you want to in this game and the game adapts An, an example and one that I love to give is, you know, let's say you're in a dungeon and you come across a door. And the door requires a key. Well, if you don't have that key, you can go back and search for it. That might take, you know, time. Or you can just smack the door for 20 minutes until it breaks. You know, like literally the door has a health bar. And you, Jason, and I did this. We just attacked a door for 20 minutes while we sipped whiskey until we broke it because we were too lazy to go back through the dungeon and find the key. You can play with your friends and you can approach a town and maybe this town has tons of side quests for you or it's integral to the story or integral to your character development, whatever. Jason wanted to destroy everything and burn the whole town to the ground because, because he's, I don't know what his problem is. Anyway, so he, that's... <laughs> <laughs> so, but that's what he did. He he used fireballs and he set the whole town ablaze and he killed lots of important NPCs and I wasn't able to progress some of my side quests, but the game builds for that. Or, you know, maybe he'll try to steal a key off of someone and he'll mess up his sneak and they'll catch him and now the whole town is mad at him. And meanwhile, I'm right in the middle of closing out a quest and I'll never be able to close out my quest because everyone got mad at us and k- try to kill us. Like, this game is just so brilliant and you can tell this is a game made by a studio that loves what they do. There's so many silly things in this. You, you know, when you're playing, you could just tell someone in a board meeting was probably like, yo, we should add this really funny thing to this game. And they're like, all right, go for it. Like, there's so much stuff in here that doesn't make sense, but it works. It's so whimsical and funny. And the fact that you can experience all of this, this epic RPG with tons of progression and customization with someone seamlessly... It's just so unheard of. And I like I said at the top of this, I'm glad that we're getting more games that are starting to incorporate co-op. I think about Woe Long and how it did co-op way better than Elden Ring. Don't at me. Even- I mean,
1: listen... I don't think anybody has any ground to stand on with that statement. But it's their because vision, Andrea. It's their Elden vision. Elden Ring's multiplayer left a lot to be desired. Oh, yeah. I'm not saying it was completely broken, but it wasn't good, okay? No,
2: it's not good. It's it's a really clunky system, and it's bad. I'll say it. it's bad. And even Wild Hearts, I think, does co-op way better than Monster Hunter. So I'm hoping that, you know, and I don't know how much of a role Divinity has in that, or Larian Studios as a whole, but I imagine it's some. And so I just hope going forward... you know, we can get more of these seamless co-op experiences, and there's just no one who does co-op better than Larian, and I'm so excited for Baldur's Gate 3 to come out this summer. Oh, my God. Uh, All right. I love them so much. So much. And I'm done. That's it. That's all I got to say about it.
1: Oh. I remember when you were playing that game, it consumed your life. Oh. And (laughs) I really wanted to get into it, but it was the turn-based part of it that I was like, this just isn't scratching the itch that I... That I wanted it to scratch. Yeah. But you got more Larian coming though. Oh,
2: I got more Baldur's Gate. That new so Baldur's excited.
1: Gate 3 trailer looks pretty oh, good.
2: It's gonna it be so great. I mean, we are so obsessed with the Divinity games that we found out that the second one was releasing really while we were going to be on our honeymoon. So we brought our gaming laptops with us, tried to play it on the airplane. It was, we were kind of successful, played it in Hawaii, hooked it up to the TV. I mean, it's, there's nothing like it. So again, if you're looking for a co op experience and you've never played these games before, Do it or I'll come find you. I mean, you
1: heard her. Don't add her. Before we continue with our list, I want to take a short break for a quick word from our sponsors. This week's episode of What's Good Games is brought to you by Factor. This spring, you need nutritious, convenient meals to energize you for warmer, active days and keep you on track for reaching your goals. Factor, America's number one ready-to-eat meal kit, can help you fuel up fast with ready-to-eat meals delivered straight to your door. You'll save time, eat well, and tackle everything on your to-do list, or at least you'll have intentions of tackling everything on your to-do list, but you won't be hungry because you guys know that we all have busy lives. And sometimes that means you don't want to cook. And with Factor, you can skip your trip to the grocery store and skip the chopping, the prepping, and the cleaning up too. I mean, who likes to do dishes? Am I right? Factor's fresh, never frozen meals are ready in just two minutes. So all you have to do is heat and enjoy. And then get back outside or, you know, back to video games, which is probably what we're all going to be doing anyway. If you're looking for some calorie conscious options this spring, well, try the delicious dietitian-approved calorie. Calorie smart meals with around or less than 550 calories per serving. That's amazing. They also offer delicious flavor-packed options on the menu each week to fit a variety of lifestyles from keto to vegan and vegetarian and even protein plus. Prepared by chefs and approved by dietitians, each meal has all of the ingredients you need to feel satisfied all day long while meeting your individual goals. And with Factor, you can rest assured that you're making a sustainable choice, which is so important these days. They offset 100% of their delivery emissions to your door. They source what 100% 100% renewable electricity for their production sites and offices, and they even feature sustainably sourced seafood in their meals. Pretty good need, huh? I always love to hear a good sustainability story. If you guys want to try Factor for yourself, head to factormeals.com slash what's good 50 and use our code what's good 50 to get 50% off your first box. That's code what's good 50 at factormeals.com slash what's good 50 to get 50% off your first box. Continuing on with our top five of the last five, and we've already talked about it just briefly, and I've talked about it not so briefly many, many times over the last five years. My top five absolutely must include Destiny 2, and this game has been in and out of my life over the last five years, mostly in, only out because of Baby, and you know what you did, Baby. Preventing me from from playing the raids that I want (laughs) to play. So the reason why Destiny 2 makes my list, I could just talk about for a whole hour, but I won't. But mostly is because of the impact it's had on me socially over the last five years. There is not a single game I've played really in the last decade, that has made me connect with people the way that Destiny 2 has had me connect with people. And shout out to everyone in the What's Good Guardians clan and to everyone who's playing Lightfall right now and having a blast and teaming up with people. But this game... Was so special I think for me In our what's good era Because of the friendships That I was able to form With people In our clan And both Online And people that I talked to And still to this day Have never met But people that I've got to meet IRL And people that I've gotten To hang out with Like Ree, Like you and I Became close Playing Destiny Yeah And then at one point On chat I'm like Can you just move here Already please (laughs) And you're like Okay That's exactly how it happened That's my story And I'm sticking to it It's that easy Exactly. It's, it's that easy. So when I was looking back at Destiny and trying to figure out, like, which part of Destiny 2 you know, would I kind of pick as one of the most impactful moments, it definitely was the Forsaken launch. And this was probably because it came at a time when the clan was really active and there was a lot of people playing. So this came out in the fall of 2018. It was one of the earlier expansions for the game. But I just remember so many people getting online and coming back to Destiny that maybe played Destiny 2 when it first launched then kind of like dropped off because let's let's be honest, Destiny 2 had some problems when it first launched and thankfully they've worked it out and the game is super fun now and they keep iterating and keep making changes and this was such a huge expansion and it just really kind of galvanized that online community around Destiny and around this game. And I just have so many memories of running the activities, doing stuff in the Dreaming City, and doing the specialty missions and the raid. I mean, it's just like so many memories tied to to Destiny and to many of the different expansions. Not just Forsaken. Forsaken is just one. I mean, I probably could pick out something from Shadow Key, from Beyond Light. I mean, obviously, like Warmind. While it wasn't the same kind of giant expansion that we're kind of getting now, I mean, still is. Had I spent so much time, so much time <laughs> in Destiny playing all of these different things, and and it was interesting. Rihanna and I were online playing some Lightfall stuff with some other friends of ours the other night, and I was we were going through some of our armor ornaments and our emotes and things. And man, I have a lot of like old ass legacy <laughs> Destiny <laughs> stuff that's really fun to kind of bring out and play with and show. So and I just transits. Yeah, well, you know,
0: <laughs>
1: they still in your vault. You didn't. You didn't. Uh, you didn't dismantle them.
0: I haven't touched them. I don't know. if Destiny's booted them out of existence. Then no. De-
1: no. They definitely won't delete them for you. They'll just have a little note that's like, "Hey, these mods have been deprecated. This I gun gotta, is useless. Why are you I got a lot of it? stuff with that note on it that I still want. <laughs> um, but I just love that Destiny as a game continues to evolve, that Bungie as a studio continues to dump a lot of resources into making the game what the community wants. Obviously, it's always going to be a balance when a developer is making a game with the scope that Destiny 2 is and trying to you know balance like, hey, our dev team has all this cool new stuff that they want to do and the community being like, but we want this stuff instead. And I think that <laughs> especially when they broke away from Activision, it was a really pivotal moment for Bungie as a studio and for Destiny 2 as a game to say like, hey, we want to change the way that we work with our community. We want to change the way that we communicate with you guys and you know, really kind of open up the door and let you see behind the curtain, so to speak, and put more of our dev team out there and to be more accessible. And I think the game has gotten only better Every year. And not every game can say that. You know, managing online service games is really tough. Not a lot of games can keep going year after year. And I'm so glad that the game is still super fun to play. And goddamn, if it's not one of the smoothest first-person shooters on the market. Like, it's just so freaking buttery smooth. And I say this all the time, and I'm going to stop for it again. Multiplayer is so freaking seamless. Like, games wish that they could be as seamless as the multiplayer shared world is in Destiny. The idea that Rihanna and I can be in a fire team and be on completely opposite ends of the map doing our own thing, picking up our own patrols or bounties or whatever, but still being able to play and connect to each other is incredible. And I think, you know, even talking about a game like Elden Ring and how they kind of stumbled with multiplayer... It's like, yeah, it, it can be done, but that has to be something that the team wants to prioritize. And a lot of times it feels like games are adding in multiplayer because like it's the thing to do. And it's like, you don't need to if it's not going to be good because, man, the bar is so high for good multiplayer. <laughs> and the games we've talked about, Fortnite, Apex, Destiny, all like top of the top for multiplayer experiences, man. And, of course, Divinity as well for, uh-huh, for co-op. I mean, the the split screen in Divinity is like, nobody does that.
2: No, and I don't know why. It's like, they did it. They've invented the wheel. Because it's them. hard. <laughs> I, know, I know, and I get it. I get Lego it. Games. I do. <laughs> <laughs> oh. Yeah.
1: Yeah. I mean, but that's why this is the top five of the last five, right? These, these are the games that really resonated with us and... The last five years of my life would be a very different place if I hadn't had Destiny 2 in them.
0: For that reason, exactly, Destiny 2 is on my honorable mentions list because I have been a little more lapsed, especially recently due to games like uh, Apex dropping and amazing experiences like Fortnite Zero Build. But I will say the relationships that I have formed because of Destiny 2 will stay with me for the rest of my life. And Aww. I am so grateful to Bungie, to the What's Good Guardians for getting me through some really hard times and helping me out with some dance practice because there's a couple of dance moves in that game that I have very much yes doing I totally remember that to every time I tower. see
1: dance emotes in the game I'm like I wonder <laughs> if Ree's gonna make a video on this one
0: <laughs> I think about it often there's a lot of really good ones in there I think that's your new tiktok account oh girl. destiny dances uh-huh
1: I all destiny. I mean there is a lot of destiny dances oh yeah I've spent so much bright dust
0: <laughs> it's been a lot
1: Oh my gosh! I can't like. I, there's got to be like it's got to be like on the wiki or something. Like how many how many mm. there are out there? But I was just going through some of the old emotes and I was like, man, there's there's a this game is big. It's been out for a while. It's almost like Destiny three should become a thing. Bungie, I just like the memories. Like I there's this one raid. I'm trying to remember which one it is. I think it was. It wasn't. Maybe it was last. Yeah, maybe it was last wish where there's that section with the witches. And I remember oh, running yeah. it with you and Maria, and I don't know if it was, Renjamin was playing with us, Snake, sure I think, was. was playing with us, and some other folks, and we just, like, it was a day of us all just, like, kind of banging our heads against the wall, being like, we can do this, we can do this, and everybody, like, surgically having all of their roles, everyone's like, okay, you're going to go here and do this, and you're going to go here and do
2: this. And did so, you like, get it? Did you finish it? Yeah, we did, eventually. eventually. Yeah. Um,
1: But it's just like there's so many of those memories of those moments of having those connections with people over this game. So anyway, you all know I love Destiny. And I love to rant about Destiny. How many rants? Oh, my gosh. The amount of rants I've done on the show just about Destiny too. So good.
2: We used to have a little segment where you would rate your love-hate relationship with Destiny that week. Do you remember that? (laughs) No. (laughs) Oh, yeah. I'd ask you, okay, Andrea, I'm like, where are you at today? Because last week you were at an 8. And you're like, I'm at a 10. (laughs) Oh, my
1: God. (laughs) Ten hate it. or ten love, I guess. I think it
2: was it was a hate. I think it was whatever expansion where y'all were going back to the moon and you were pissed off about it or something.
1: Oh, oh the helium filaments triggered me. <laughs> With that helium run do you have to
0: do all the time? I just, spent like, so much time in
1: Vanilla Destiny farming helium <laughs> on the moon. I was like, why are we going back to the moon? They're in the walls. Don't <laughs> no need to be here. I fucking hate the hive.
0: Oh my god. They're
1: uh, better than scorn. The scorn suck, admittedly. Oh, yeah. Fuck
2: the, the scorn. They're
1: they're bad. Taken maybe my least favorite, but... Oh, no, for me, it's Scorn. I hate those guys. Yeah, they're they're bad. Anyway, enough about Destiny. Rihanna, let's move yes. on to your next pick.
0: <laughs> let's talk about mental health. Um, yes, let's! Psychonauts 2. Okay, Psychonauts 2 is one of very few games where I've played the sequel and not the original. <laughs> and uh, funny enough, an honorable mention on my list is also another one where it hits the same. I didn't play the original and I love the sequel. Psychonauts 2 is like a personality trait at this point. I love telling stories. I love when we can talk about mental health openly and honestly and with a sense of humor and with an air of positivity and shared experience. And let's make some cool shit out of panic attacks because they happen and we're allowed to keep going after they do. Psychonauts 2 is not only just a competent adventure game, which I love, but it has really, really great representation of things that I have personally gone through in a game four where I can, like, a lot like Celeste, work through it and find a way to not necessarily beat it, but work it into my life in a way that I can manage it and it's no longer taking control of me. Without getting incredibly deep and starting to cry, this game did a lot of healing for me. And I also think it's really fucking funny. Like there's a lot of great puns in Psychonauts too. And it, it's so creative in the way that it can represent like different things people struggle with, different things people have experienced and make it into art, make it into a level design, make it into uh, you know a gameplay narrative that I've just never seen done before or since. And I think about this game all the time. I've gone back and played it multiple times. It's one of the very few adventure games where I might just start it over again because I just want to go through everything that it had to show me again and that's not very common for me with single player and this game is just truly one of my favorite of all time and the last five years it's absolutely in this top five
2: i have nothing more to add to that except for yeah absolutely. i mean i unfortunately never finished this game but i remember getting about halfway through in the representation like you said of i think maybe it's regret you would know but i remember whatever it was it was a flying thing and it was carrying like this really heavy burden i don't know was it regret it might have been regret i don't remember yeah
0: it's like like the, the weight of regret or something yeah and
2: I was like whoa you know mm-hmm. and you have that moment and you're like oh yeah it's just the way it shows up in the game you're like okay i get this like this is a really good visual representation and it really clicks with you and kind of hits home this is a great pick thank you it was
1: so yeah. nice to hear from Tim Schafer, the founder of Double Fine as a studio at Dice recently where he won the Lifetime Achievement Award and was inducted into the Hall of Fame. It was just like this idea of these kinds of stories so often don't get financed or don't get told because there's not money to make them and how... You know, he, as a creator, you know, kind of felt really lucky that he was able to keep making stories like Psychonauts time after time and that his community around Double Find and people kept giving him money. And he made a lot of jokes about, like, people just keep giving me money even though I, you know, keep making these (laughs) games. And I think it's, you know, really great that, you know, people are maybe even just discovering Psychonauts for the first time. So, and I think it was pretty universally regarded as, like, a game of the year contender, if not game of the year, you know, winner for some people the year that it came out. Yeah. Yeah, Psychonauts. Yeah. Making a very big pivot from Psychonauts.
2: <laughs> Howdy, partner. <laughs> did, I, did I crush it?
1: You crushed it. You crushed Thank it. You. I'm so glad that you picked this South. game, though, because I hemmed and hawed. I know. <laughs> about whether or not I wanted to include this game. I but know. But I didn't. But
2: you I did. Know. I did, <laughs> so you, you can help me talk about it yeah, so this is Red Dead Redemption 2 this came out in twenty eight. what a year 2018, I know I already said that, but I'm gonna say it again what a year 2018 yeah, so Red Dead Redemption 2. Obviously, this is a technically a prequel to Red Dead Redemption, and it was a game that I had wanted for a very, very long time. I had said a prayer to all the video game gods practically every night. Every E3 would come around, because this is the year we're getting the announcement. Never was, until we finally did. This game just got me by, I guess, for lack of a better term, the balls, if you will. I dreamed about it every night that i was playing it like literally i would dream about what i was going to do the next time i fired it up i woke up and my hands were in the position like i was holding a controller cuz i was playing <laughs> in my sleep like and it's so rare that a game grasped me that way and i know the slow the slow pace and the slow animations in this game really threw a lot of people off it's you know okay you're going to lose something okay get off your horse like bend down on one knee like what you didn't want to do the
1: touch Touch, 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 touch. Okay, I got it from the pockets.
2: <laughs> no. I mean, I like
1: was, it's visceral the memory of oh, the fucking looting in that game.
2: But you know that <laughs> never once bothered me. And then it wasn't until ever the reviews came out and people were complaining about it. They're like, oh, this is so annoying and it's so tedious and slow. And I was like, that never ever was a thought in my mind because that's what I liked about it. It was granted, like I mean, we, again, I could talk about this game for an hour. The narrative I thought was really great. I loved what they did with those characters and I like how they they built on Dutch as an antagonist. But the the fact that you could just get into this world you could hunt all day if you wanted to you could stop by your campfire and you never knew what your little your npc friends were going to be up to sometimes they were singing sometimes they were all drunk other times they were gambling and it was just there was always something new happening and the level of immersion i felt while playing this game is just unlike i think any other game that i've ever played before not to mention just arthur morgan as a character i think he has a really interesting character arc and obviously there's the morale system and you can kind of play him as you wanted to But that ending and that scene with the horse at the end there and just.
1: I'm going to cry now.
2: God, just the profound impact it had. And, you know, I think we all went into Red Dead Redemption 2. I mean, I love John Marston as a character. Granted, very flawed, but I think that's what makes him very interesting. And and the way that Arthur Morgan kind of mentored him and and helped him live his life. I I don't know if I'm trying to avoid spoilers. This game is old as fuck. I I think it's like,
1: (laughs) obviously, like, don't talk about the very end of the game maybe, but like...
2: No, no, no. The, the way Arthur and John had this relationship and it, the way it just seamlessly opens up to RDR, the first one, because again, it is a prequel. It was just everything I wanted from the game. And just the way you watch Arthur progress and the things that happen to him and the way that the game tells that story, I think it's just so well done. I'll remember this was my personal favorite game of 2018. Critically, my favorite game was God of War, But personally, like, this was it. There are some weird narrative things they do. Like, the island is... Guarma, or whatever it was called, was a really weird choice, and that is a flaw, I think of it. But other than that, though, it's just, oh my God, I just loved it so much. And I was like reading about it to remember certain things. I was like, oh, I want to play it again. I'm like, LOL, well, bitch, you don't got the time.
1: <laughs> yeah, it's yeah. one of those games that absolutely left an impact on me as well. And I never finished the original. It was just like too many things going on. I just I just couldn't deal with how long that game was. And this game was I was very long as well. But I think what was really interesting about what this game did so differently and did so well is, like, you mentioned the immersion. And this game was so innovative from a technical standpoint that I think a lot of people forget just how talented of a studio Rockstar is. I mean, we don't need to... Sing Rockstar's praises, you know, too much because clearly they they <laughs> they're know just financially how. They, struggling. Yeah, they know, how, yes, yes. They have that tiny indie studio, of Rockstar Games, who sold you know billions of dollars every single year. Uh, they're fine, but I think what a lot of times goes overlooked is, in addition to the games being popular, is like they actually do a lot of really innovative under the hood stuff as well. And technically, this game is doing some really magnificent things and really pushing the boundary for what immersive video games can do, particularly from a open world instance standpoint. I remember this game had those moments where you could just be on your horse riding from one town to the next because there was a really bogus fast travel system, which we're not going to bitch about right now. But The reason why it was important to have those long rides on your horse is because riding your horse is fun and great in the game. But also because you run into these moments, this man and this woman fighting on the side of the road. Well, what are they fighting about? Why don't you stop and find out? Or, you know, you see somebody like running away with some woman's purse or, you know, you see someone tied to the railroad tracks or whatever, right? There's like all of these like living world moments inside of Red Dead Redemption 2 that some games have attempted to also do, but very few games have done them as well as Rockstar has done, both with obviously the Grand Theft Auto series, but really Red Dead Redemption 2 was a standout moment for them in gameplay design from that perspective. Just really, really beautiful game. And like you said, the story, so well done. Great music, really wonderful. Art design, just so much about that game was just so good. 2018, a banger year. That banger game should have won here. a lot. That game should have swept every award that it was nominated for. But Sony Santa Monica came in and was like, let me just put my axe on the table real quick. They kind of mm-hmm. do that a lot,
0: huh? Yeah,
1: exactly. But yeah, good pick. So many good games. It almost makes me want to go back and replay these games. Wait, who's right? got the time? Who's got the time? Especially I put my fair share of time into this next game. I put (laughs) more hours into this next game than I ever imagined possible.
0: Can we talk about how much you did not want to play this?
1: Yes. Yes, we can. We can absolutely (laughs) talk about how Rihanna and co had to drag me kicking and screaming into this game. And you and Steimer were also playing it. And I was just like, nope, not for me. What game are we talking about? If you haven't guessed already, yes, ladies and gentlemen, Animal Crossing New Horizons. That's right. Andrea's first Animal Crossing game. And oh my God, did I fall really deep into that hole like really deep
2: You <laughs> no, I think this game quite literally changed your perspective on sim games yes. and look at you playing Disney Dreamlight Valley like I I mean you might have checked it out because we all know for every game you play that John works on you guys get like a $10,000 paycheck right? yes but of course yeah. like it's it's been really interesting watching you go through this journey and loving these sim games and it's like who are you I mean I love it I love it but it's interesting it's fun
1: I don't know who I am I think I honestly didn't realize how much of some of these sim games is just decorating and i think that's it it for me it's the farming (laughs) part like farming sims in particular i know you love but like the farming part i could i could do without but for me it's the decorating that i'm like okay this is what hooks me what keeps me up until like three o'clock in the morning making sure (laughs) every flower is planted in exactly the right spot (laughs) And then like laying down my pathways and then changing my mind and me like, okay, take it all out and redo it and do it the other direction instead. I never in my life joined a Reddit community before <laughs> Animals Crossing New Horizons. I'm not joking. Like, I just don't, I just don't do it. I would, I would dip into, you know, Reddits here and there, mostly the Destiny subreddit, but like the amount of time I spent on the Animal Crossing New Horizons subreddit is almost embarrassing. <laughs> <laughs> but there's so much good stuff there that I just there was just something about this game that again it was that multiplayer moment for me even though the multiplayer again is <clears throat> really bad but it was about the connection that I had with other players through Animal Crossing and it also was my it was my pandemic game right mm-hmm. it was the game for, that game for a lot of people that game that comfort game that thing that it's not going to be stressful for me to play this game I can boot up Animal Crossing and just go and pick fruit from my trees say hello to my villagers you know dig up some fossils and not have to worry about what my high score is if I'm competing head to head and what my kill death ratio is like none of that right like and that is what I needed during that incredibly stressful time for all of us boy oh boy did I not anticipate to be there like 800 hours freaking later Holy crap!
0: I mean, you definitely weren't alone. Like as we know, Animal Crossing was—you could almost call it the pandemic game—to the yeah, point I mean, where, like, Gary Witta has this amazing like late talk show. Right? <laughs> oh yeah, uh, like uh, AOC is guesting on it, talking about Animal Elijah Crossing. Elijah Wood politics. was on like, there on his Danny team, Trejo. Guy. I mean, it was a
1: moment, right? Like it, it was—it was. was such a moment for us as a culture. And for the gaming community, for people to be like, hey, there's this game that's so approachable for people of all ages and all experience levels. And it's such a great showcase for the portability of the Nintendo Switch. I used to take my Switch outside in my backyard because we couldn't go anywhere. And I was so grateful that I had some outdoor space because so many people did not. And I would drink my coffee in the morning and just sit outside and play Animal Crossing and be like, okay, today's going to be probably a tough day, but we're going to get through it. And I'm just going to look up some some new t-shirts today that I'm going to download from somebody's shop at Animal Crossing. And maybe that'll be my fun, relaxing thing to do for the day. It really kind of like centered me and kept me sane. But man, the turnip game. Mm-mm, I'm not here for that oh. anymore. Thank goodness I don't have to do that. <sighs>
0: Remember the bell exchanges? You'd have to, like, get into a lobby and then wait yes. in the room.
1: There was, like, specialty apps created just so people could go to other people's islands to sell turnips for crying out loud. <laughs> it was wild. If only they set that up for iron ingots in Dreamlight Valley, and I'll be sick.
0: Yeah, it'll be great <laughs> once that happens.
1: <laughs> <laughs> just so much iron. Everything everything takes so much iron. I don't know why. You just got to keep crafting. Just keep tweeting about it. I know, right? They'll they'll listen to me. They did put more iron ingots for sale in Kristoff's shop, but it's not enough. I'm like, I need need more, please. But you know what's funny about me saying that right now, even calling it out? I was playing the other night, and it reminded me of, speaking of Tim Schafer as well, of what Tim Schaefer said when we were on Gary's show together. Because remember Tim was on when the three of us were on yes, Gary's yeah. show. And he said, the thing I love about Animal Crossing is it reminds me that I can't have everything I want when I want it. It has taught me that life is about being patient. It's about taking your time. It's about thinking about the things that you want to invest the time in. Is it going to be worth it to wait for it? And I was like, God, it's that deep, is it? Oh no. And then it was. Like it really made you stop and think like, wow, I shouldn't be thinking this deep about life because of a life sim game, but it really is making me go, do I need all these things in my life? Is this fulfilling for me? Why do I have this desire to have everything right now in front of me immediately? Is that going to make me happy? Is that going to give me the satisfaction I want? Maybe for like a couple minutes, and then it's like on to the next. Mm -hmm. And Animal Crossing just forced you to slow down and be like, hey, you know what? You don't have enough bells for that thing. Tom Nook still has your loan and you can't expand your house. It's going to take time. But you'll save up your money and you'll get a bigger house someday. But that day's not today. And I'm like, yeah. God damn. The real the reality is like an animal trust. I
2: remember that. Because that also hit me too because one of the issues I had is unlike most farming sims that I play, you can't progress time as you want to. Right? Yeah. You can't just go to bed and wake up and then all your crops are grown. You have to be present and in the moment and appreciate what you have in front of you and do what you can with what's in front of you. And I'm like, Damn. Like, okay, (laughs) I get it. Thanks, Animal Crossing.
1: Yeah. Animal Crossing New Horizons. I was going to look up just how many it sold now because it set so mm. many records for Nintendo. It was a and,
0: Switch seller, too.
1: Yeah, absolutely. I, and nobody anticipated Animal Crossing being the banger as far as the sales, like global sales that it was. I think everyone knew it was going to be, you know, good and be another Animal Crossing, but I don't think anyone was like, whoa, can we uh, talk about just how many movies? millions it has sold, um, 39.38 million copies Holy as of June, wow. total sales wow. it says 40.17 as of September of last year, oh My God! and according to the Wikipedia page, on November of last year, it is now the best-selling game in Japan of all time. <laughs> <laughs> of
0: well, course it
2: is.
1: Of all time. That's wild.
2: You know, it's just the right... I mean, I played Animal Crossing because I thought I would like it. Turns out, I didn't like it. It was too slow for me, so I didn't take Tim's advice. I should not. Not enough farming. <laughs> not enough farming. Yeah, you know, you mentioned that the pandemic game, and I was thinking about it. And the only one I think that could rival that would probably be Among Us. Mm, yeah, yeah, yeah. That was that was the other one everyone is playing.
1: Yes, that was a huge pandemic game.
2: Yeah,
1: it was, yeah. Wow. Yeah, Animal Crossing New Horizons officially crossed. Pokemon Red, Green, and Blue, beating a record set in 1996.
2: You Damn. bastards.
1: Yeah, there it is.
2: That's why we haven't gotten those games on the virtual console. <laughs> Animal Crossing's fault.
1: <laughs> All I want is them to put more out, and they're like, now we're done making content for Animal Crossing New Horizons. Enjoy what you have. This is what it is. So now I'm on to the Dreamlight Valley. There we go. <laughs> <Very> <laughs> last
2: year.
1: Anyway, I had to talk about it from top five from the last five. Huge game for me. And a uh, huge game for a lot of people. So, Rihanna.
0: Yes. You're up next. Our next game. I can talk about this quickly because I've talked about it a lot before. Not surprising anyone, it is another game where I have really great experiences playing with other people because connection through games is the theme for me. Tetris Effect Connected Ooh. is... One of my top five games of the last five years. It technically came out in, I believe, 2018, but I didn't play it until 2020. And that's because I didn't know about it. Somehow the marketing missed me. I don't know how. Because, I mean, Tetris plus, you know, playing against slash with other people right up my alley. But my husband, Danny, introduced it to me. And it's one of the games that he, myself, and his brother, not my brother, all played together. And this was before I lived with Danny. And it is one of those games that was really just a formative part of our relationship. And it will always have a special place in my heart alongside Apex for that reason. But more than that, every time I play this game, and I play through the um, single player mode, so journey mode. Where you're playing through several different levels um, it has beautiful music amazing animations it's one of the most experiential games i've ever played every time i go from you know level one to the last one i can't remember how many there are and i hear the end credits music i cry oh. and yes i'm a saucy i'm a very emotionally open person but let me just read the lyrics to you so you can understand maybe a little bit of why it keeps hitting me so hard in the feels Okay. So, imagine you're playing this game. It's really challenging. It's something you've played since you were like able to hold a controller. It's all about fitting pieces together and you're playing by yourself, but you know, at the end, you get to this, you know, amazing credit screen and there's lights and sounds and it's very beautiful and very impactful and then you hear this beautiful voice singing nothing could measure the kind of strength inside our hearts. It's all connected. We're all together in this love. And I don't know what it is about this song and the experience of just like, like zoning out, turning off all of the noise in my brain and just like putting lines together, like just putting things together and clearing levels. And then all of a sudden I hear this message and it's just so undeniably true. And it's something that is at the core of my belief system. And it just gets me every single time. And Aside from how incredibly emotional the game is for me, because I know I'm a weirdo, it's also really fun competitively. Like, they have leaderboards for you to, like, do special level clear challenges, like where they have preset blocks that are already there and you have to try to clear them as quickly as you can or in as few additional tetraminos as you can. They have an incredible challenge mode where you go three versus a boss, and after you beat the first three levels of the boss, you get to the final boss, and it's hard as fuck. And I thought I was good at Tetris. Danny and his brother <laughs> thought they were good at Tetris. This shit is really hard. It's like it's days. And then after you clear the fourth boss, surprise, there's a fifth boss. Oh, those bastards. It it will kick your ass. And this, this yeah, game is I've, just. I've never made it to the
1: end. I give it's up. It's so hard. And I and, also love Tetris, and I just can't. It's so hard.
0: It it's stressful. So hard. It stresses me out. <laughs> but it, it's so it's so great cuz this game really does and especially connected Tetris is, you know, and I'll be all of most gaming. But this connected edition, it has the visuals, it has the music, it has the individual experience, but this competitive mode really like kept me on my toes. And there's just something for every mood I'm in. If I want to, you know, bang my head against the wall, if I want to zone out and cry, if I just want to see some pretty lights and sounds, I can always find all of that in Tetris Effect Connected, and it is a game I would play until my hands don't work anymore, and maybe even after that if it's in VR with eye blinking. Ooh, yeah,
2: I, I
1: definitely like want to go back and play and play it in play it in VR again because yes. the music is, oh, uh, it's god tier. The soundtrack for Tetris Effect Connected. If you guys have never played, but also like Mizuguchi-san is just a genius. It's like a creative madman who like makes beautiful, ridiculous things.
0: There's also Um, one John Drake in the credits for that game. And it's great seeing his name as I'm crying on the airplane (laughs) scrolling.
1: (laughs) You could blame him. It's fine. (laughs) Yeah, great pick. Mm -hmm. I remember you telling me about that moment when you guys were going after that boss. He, like, backed out accidentally or something. And you guys were like, no.
0: No. It is oh.
1: rough. I thought, I thought that was going to be it. I thought that was going to be the end. <laughs>
0: <laughs> <laughs> it was close. It's, like I said, you can definitely experience the full spectrum of emotions playing this game. <laughs> Rage included.
1: Well, we are getting to the end of our top five of the last five. And y'all know it wouldn't be a top five of the last five for Brittany. Without some husbando action.
2: Oh, man. So I can also keep this brief. And also, speaking of pandemic games, my entire pandemic series was the Yakuza... Yakuza... Yakuza? Is yes. that what we're calling it? The exactly. exactly.
1: The Yakuza's.
2: <laughs> the Yakuza's. The <laughs> uh, Yakuza's series. And, you know, I can only pick one. So I picked Yakuza Kiwami 2. And I don't know if y'all know me, but I love this series. So since finding and rediscovering the series in 2020 because I was sick from PAX East 2020. I was like, I need a game that I can just lose myself in and be a snotty mess, and that was Yakuza 0. But anyway, since then, I have, in that course of two years, I have played, I played like 12 different Yakuza and Yakuza-adjacent games. So picking one is not easy, but the one I had to pick was Yakuza Kiwami 2. And without getting into the weeds about all of this, because I'm not going to do that, Yakuza 0, half of the game is dedicated to Majima Guru, which is my husband, He's the guy behind me in his little pretty pink lingerie. set. So I don't know if you can see how handsome he is, but he's right. Let's see. Let's see. Right there. There. Look how goromi's So beautiful. Um, anyway. And so he was a really fascinating character and he has a character. He develops as a character from Yakuza 0 to Yakuza Kiwami, which is the first one. So you have 0 prequel, Kiwami 1, and then Yakuza Kiwami 2, which is the f- sequel to that. Anyway. This all comes into play, I promise. In Kiwami 2, there is a closing to a narrative that occurs in Yakuza 0... And it takes place during what's called the Majima Saga, which is brand new. So Kiwami 2 is essentially a remake of Yakuza 2. And when they remade it, they added the Majima Saga in it. And essentially, it closes out the storyline. And there is one sentence that he says during this. And what I mean, it's like a separate story. It's like you you can only access it from the start menu. You can't even access it while you're playing the core game. When he says this one line, which, well, I can say, it's like you worked out some knots I've had for 18 years. Those who know, know. That one line is better than entire stories in (laughs) some games. It is so emotional and it has such a heavy impact. And that is because of the character Majima is in the way you watch him evolve from Yakuza 0 to Kiwami to Kiwami 2. I know I always preach like play all the yakuza games. Ha ha ha. Like lol I know realistically no one has time for that shit. But if you could just play 0, Kiwami and Kiwami 2, like those 3, you're going to get one of the best character arcs in all the video games and you're going to get a beautiful story. It does take time cuz those games are not short, but if you can put in the time to at least play those 3, my ultimate goal is you'll be hooked and then you'll play all the other ones. But don't worry about that right now. Just get through those 3 and then you can call it a day. So yeah, like that's that story in itself is one of the main reasons why I love To Kiwami, too, why it's my uh, pick on here. Also, just from a personal perspective, that was around the time that I was really heavy into learning Japanese. Playing the entire Yakuza series has been really beneficial to that because, you know, all of those hours, it's only in Japanese, and I get to go around and like read store signs and, you know, just try to like figure out what people are saying. And it really helped me with my comprehension, listening, and, you know, I would sometimes repeat the lines that I was hearing. And so, from like that perspective too. It was just really cool. Anyway, that entire series I love so, so much. And this game came out in 2018, but again, I didn't play it until 2020.
1: The way that the Yakuza series impacted you in such a short amount of time is no small feat. I vividly remember when you're like, hey, I'm going to try out this game. And I had been hearing about and covering the Yakuza series for a long time, but as y'all know, not really my cup of tea, but then you're like, hey, I'm just going to play them all during the pandemic. And I don't think any of us anticipated you falling as hard <laughs> into those games as you did and becoming you know, Yakuza fan number one. And I think it's been so fun to watch you discover that entire franchise and what people around the world love so much about that. And obviously there's been a lot of that franchise that hasn't fully penetrated in the West, you know, pun intended. And... <laughs> And I think, you know, because Xbox put all of those games on Game Pass, it really exposed to a lot of people who would maybe never even heard of the Yakuza franchise just how much fun is to be had within that series and the cool gameplay stuff that rgg is doing within that franchise and i think it's like so awesome to find something that you love like that it's like that was like my animal crossing right like i was like this is not for me i don't play this i've never played it and then i was like actually maybe this is for me maybe i'm only gonna play this from now on
2: oh yeah (laughs) oh yeah (laughs) It was 3 a.m. and I remember finishing the first Kiwami, and I had Kiwami 2 downloaded. And I'm like, I'm gonna start this tonight, and then I fell asleep. But yeah, I mean, <laughs> we all coped in our own ways <laughs> during the pandemic.
1: Yeah, some of us with abs, and some of us oh, with yeah. apples that we picked from trees endlessly. You know, it's fucking eggs it's everywhere.
2: Oh yeah, Rie and her eggs,
1: guys. That's a fun clip. You're gonna have to pull that one out of the out of the vault. Oh god. <laughs> um. So I. Did a lot of like him and hawing about what this last pick was gonna be. I actually literally just changed my mind about uh, it. I, oh again. you did. <laughs> I did. I did. It's tough to nail down just five games from five years. That's that's hard. Yeah. There's a lot of yeah. video games to choose from. There's a lot of really good ones. My honorable mention list would be very long if we were, you know, weren't, you know, trying to keep this succinct. But I love the Assassin's Creed franchise. I've Played every single Assassin's Creed game that's ever come out. I've been a fan for over a decade, probably almost going on two decades now, it's close. And I love what they have done with the franchise. They've taken many twists and turns over the years. Some people are here for it, some are not. Brett, as a Resident Evil fan, I'm sure you can relate. Like that franchise has gone places gameplay-wise and narratively, it's gone places. And sometimes the team that makes the thing you love makes a cool decision, and sometimes you're like, I don't know how I feel about this decision. But what I really loved about what the Assassin's Creed did is they made a game called Assassin's Creed Odyssey. And they really set the groundwork for Assassin's Creed Odyssey with Assassin's Creed Origins, which was the first kind of foray into a more open-world RPG versus a more linear type of storytelling and action-adventure Stealth action that they were doing previously. And I don't think people were ready for just how massive of a change Odyssey was from not only the original Assassin's Creed formula, but also from what they really kind of started with Origins. And I just fell head over heels in love with Assassin's Creed Odyssey because Cassandra. (laughs) This is all the first time that you got to choose the gender. To pick a uh, man or woman for your assassin, which is something we hadn't gotten before in Assassin's Creed Odyssey, and I love that they did that, and I love that the two characters actually felt different. I mean, I didn't really spend that much time with Alexius or whatever. He, he was—he's was fine. He got all the marketing, like whatever. Cassandra Bay, okay, like she was mm-hmm. so good.
2: I want her to pop my head with her thighs. <sighs>
1: Man. And they had like, like a cool romance options in the game which Assassin's Creed had never done before which was really incredible. Here, let me pull up a, a launch trailer. Uh, this was also a game that I spent you know a substantial amount of time streaming and I didn't typically t- like to stream single player games because <laughs> anyone who watched me stream knows I get real bad gamer face. <sighs> it's kind of like zone out like really focused on what I'm doing and I just Love all of the options of this game. Clearly set in this fantastic time period of, you know, ancient Sparta and the armor sets that you could get were really cool and fantastical. The mounts that you could get, the cosmetic. I feel like Assassin's Creed Odyssey was the reason we added like a best horsey category to the What's Good Game Awards.
2: (laughs) Yeah, (gasps) actually, yeah, I think you might be right.
1: So many good horsies (laughs) from Assassin's Creed. I just had so much fun exploring all the different islands and sailing around on my ship and going around and going on these various missions. And the story of this game just did not end. It's like three separate major plot points that all come together at the very end. I even know that there's a lot of people who probably never saw the final end of this game because it took like 150 hours to get there which is bonkers but there was just so much to do and it felt like I was never going to clear all the fog of war on the map you know how you get a map and you're like I must go to every single tower Uh and clear it out I must see it all it just took so long because this world was so big but it all really just felt alive and it felt so much fun to explore all the different locations and I just loved the direction that they went and I was I was for it. Yes, were there some sacrifices along the way? Were some of the stealthy elements of the game kind of sanitized? Sure. But man, I got to like, you know, jump off of stuff with no fall damage for once. It was something I could (laughs) spec in the skill tree. And that was really cool. It's the little things, man. It made me feel like a superhero in an Assassin's Creed game, which we hadn't really got before. And I know that people are listening to me like, yeah, because you're supposed to be an assassin. Not like someone who goes in and just kills everybody, but I was always more of a swords blazing kind of a girl in Assassin's Creed anyway. And I just loved, loved, loved this game. And I was looking at all of the different Assassin's Creed releases over the last five years. And I was like, how, you know, which one would I pick? And like, without a doubt, Odyssey. Odyssey was the one for me. Spent a ton Odyssey's of time in this game. a fun
2: one. I played maybe for like 20 hours and then I burned out like do with every other AC game. But I remember it. that was, I feel like the last time that this series got so much fanfare where everyone was just like so genuinely hyped. Because again, like, what do you mean I can play this? A woman, what do you mean there's this new open world like idea about Assassin's Creed? Yeah, and that was a really exciting time. And, um, you know, ever since then, I just feel like maybe we're all kind of. Burned out now. But at the time, it was fresh, new, and exciting. And in the hype levels were just universal. Yeah, I
1: definitely think that, you know, we don't need to like dissect all the things that, you know, they could do differently with the game. I think the whole idea of open world games has absolutely been done by everybody now. Everyone's like, everyone wants to have open world. Let's make all these experiences, 200 hours. (laughs) And everyone's like, actually, no, bro. Like, I got other stuff I got to do, like play Fortnite. Um, So it's. (laughs) (laughs) I think that, you know, they're hopefully going to pull back. But what a value, though, gamers that don't have money to buy something every single month. The idea that you could spend, you know, between 60 and 90 dollars, depending on, you know, which version of the game you got on a single video game and get hundreds and hundreds of hours of single player gameplay where you're not playing the same multiplayer maps over again, where you're not re- running the same strikes over and over again. <laughs> you're not doing really repetitive content. I mean, sure, I guess you could say like going and collecting these different Items can feel a little bit repetitive, but I just, the art in these games are just so magnificent and the attention to detail and historical accuracy and the fact that they all just feel alive when you walk into them. The cities are so dense as well. I love the Assassin's Creed franchise and I love what Ubisoft has done with it and I'm very, very excited For Mirage, which is coming supposedly later this year, but we really haven't seen much of it. I just want to play more. I want to live in these worlds. I just, I love, love, love Assassin's Creed. Rihanna, that brings us to you. The final pick.
0: The final one. So, again, this is not in any particular order in in my list. Oh, no. Mine's
1: not in a particular order either, right? Mm -hmm. Yeah.
0: But a game that I never would have begged for one of my (laughs) favorites. Because you die a lot and you don't even really get to see the faces of all the hot people. And, like, most of the dialogue you have to read, uh, a bunch of text. Like, totally not my vibe i don't like these games but i absolutely <laughs> fell in love with Hades <laughs> i cannot describe how much i love this game i would say it's top 5 of all time uh, at this point Ooh. hades is is incredible So what I like about Hades is that, yes, it is a roguelike game. Yes, you die a lot. A lot of times it's bullshit. And you're like, what the fuck just happened? (laughs) And you get like a bad draw or a bad luck of the draw rather on the different powers that you're able to acquire throughout a particular run. And you feel like "Oh, none of these enemies are moving the way I need them to to accommodate the weapon I got this time around. But every time you die, you get more story. And the story of this game is so freaking good that it makes every death feel worth it. And the characters are... So so compelling and funny and relatable and familiar, and a lot of them are very very sexy and they're also flawed but mysterious and, and like they're just so compelling. Like you just want to learn more and more about them. I am eager to go die in this game because I know I'm going to learn something new. <laughs> Do you know what I mean? Like I mean, no, I give you no, I don't. But like I love the way you say it. <laughs> yeah, I mean, they I, give I, you I get enough it. of a carrot to keep chasing it over and over again. The unlock. Unlockable, like that for, for the completionist, I, I feel really bad for people who need to unlock everything in this game because you can beat the final boss and the game still isn't done. I on run 50 something, I've put like hundred something hours in this game. I'll probably start a new save on another another platform and just start over because I I I don't care. Like I just love dying and playing and learning and experiencing this this world that they, they've built. And there's, even after you beat, actually beat the game, like, get the true ending, there's still more story to unlock. There's still more weapons and loadouts and characters to get to know. And and there's just truly, like, I I feel no end to this game. And if we're talking about bang for your buck, like, (laughs) there's there's hard it's hard to find a better deal for the amount of money you spend and the amount of content you get with Hades. and not only that, but like the the art style is really, really beautiful. It feels really snappy. despite some of the deaths being bullshit, every battle feels fair. <laughs> Like, you know why you messed up. You know what you're going to do next. You have a plan to immediately go back and try it again differently the next time. And even when you get back to your your home base, you can, like, change the drapes or, like, add some flowers. And there's even some decorating in this game. Like there's truly, Did I see
2: fishing earlier?
0: You can fish. Oh. Okay. You can fish. Hot men there's fishing. There's secret let's go. boxes. Like, there's so much to unlock in this game. And it is... Truly delightful and a joy to play. The writing is stellar, and I. It might be top three. I don't know. This game is really Ooh, fucking good.
2: She's hyping herself up. I am. It's so and I'm good. i so excited for Hades 2.
1: <laughs> it made Giant, the studio that does not do sequels, announce a sequel.
0: Mm-hmm. I'm so excited for Hades 2. And this is. Best roguelike of all time and one of my favorite games. Has it changed your mind on
1: other roguelikes? Are you more willing now to check out roguelikes because of Hades?
0: I have tried other roguelikes. I won't name them because I don't want to shame anyone. None of them have lived up to Hades for me.
1: I mean, the bar is very high Mm -hmm. for Hades. I I feel like they have kind of set themselves aside in the roguelike genre. And really made themselves, you know, a hybrid mashup. Obviously, it's very much a traditional roguelike in a lot of senses. But what they did is so phenomenal in terms of gameplay design that it's kind of like, well, without outright copying them, can you make another roguelike like like Hades?
0: Oh, the OST is filled with bangers, too. I am fucking begging for another release of the vinyls because I can't find them for less than $500 on eBay holy crap god, it's so good the music is so good god this game is really good <laughs> I, I recently just bothered. bought it on Steam
1: Deck because you kept talking about it and I I own it on Switch where I, I started playing it mm-hmm. and then never finished it and I'm like well I guess I gotta go back and do it again so I bought it on a a sale recently and so I'm like alright yes. let's go Let's start over. Great playing game. Hades. My gosh, what a phenomenal trip down memory lane for some wonderful video games and some really incredible times in our lives over the last five years and experiences that we got to share. And some of them we got to do together, which is even better. Yay. I love it. So to recap, the top five of the last five, God of War 2018. Resident Evil 2 Remake, Divinity Original Sin 2 Definitive Edition, Red Dead Redemption 2, Yakuza Kiwami 2, Celeste, Destiny 2, Animal Crossing New Horizons, Assassin's Creed Odyssey, Fortnite, Apex Legends, Psychonauts 2, Tetris Effect Connected, and of course, Hades.
2: You know what I love about this list is there was only one crossover, which is God of War. Other than that, all different games. I think that's great. Yeah. Go us. I
1: think it really just shows the different style of games that we all play. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. And we had a couple like honorable mentions on the list but I feel like that's just a runaway like we'll just be here all night talking about all the games oh, yeah. that we want to oh, give yeah. honorable mentions to so let's just cut this exactly where it is thank you so much to everybody for hanging out with us like I said earlier we'd love to hear from you guys what some of your top five of the last five years has been again 2018 to 2022 leave us a comment below shoot us an email at contact at what's tweet to us at what's good underscore games right on our Facebook page on Patreon in the Discord let us know